Hi church, my name is Carrie. Thanks for joining us in this new year. If you are looking to build community this year, we have a lot of opportunities for you. One is our Connections class. In Connections, you learn more about ABC, you meet our staff, and you get to know some other people. We'll spend five Sundays diving into what ABC believes and how you can get involved. Join us for Connections beginning January 29th at 9 a.m. Email lori at abcchurch.org to sign up. We also have a Tuesday Women's Bible Study starting back up on January 17th. We are starting a five-week study through the book of Jonah. Forget what you've learned about Jonah. Clear out that vegetation. This is not a children's story. Come on January 17th at either 9 a.m. or 6.45 p.m. We meet at 6.45 in the evenings so that those of you with middle schoolers at youth group can drop off your middle schooler and then come to Bible study before you have to pick them up. If you want more details on this study and to sign up, please go online on our website. All the details are there. Also, mom to mom meets this week. If you are a mom with kids at home and you haven't joined us, you're more than welcome. We meet monthly. This month, we're meeting on January 12th at 9 a.m. or 7 p.m. 9 a.m., we have childcare, but you do need to sign up today with the childcare link that is on our website. So go to our website for all the information. It's all there. Thanks so much for joining us and Happy New Year. Well, good morning and welcome to ABC. Welcome to 2023. My goodness, it's crazy. A new year here already. I love just the start of new things and season changes, um, an opportunity to kind of reflect and look back at where we've been, where we're going, and we've got a fantastic year ahead. I really believe God is leading us forward here into the year. And uh, if you're visiting, uh, maybe you're just checking ABC out online here. Uh, we just want to say welcome. You're, we're glad you're here. Um, you can expect, um, if you were to attend a service at ABC, um, for us to talk about Jesus. We make a big deal about Jesus here. We believe this, this book, the Bible, is all about Jesus. The entire Old Testament is pointing to this moment um, in the Gospels where Jesus shows up and changes the way we think about everything and, and ultimately redeems all of mankind through his death and resurrection and so uh, Jesus is important at ABC. You can expect if you were to come to one of our services, as, as you would today, um, to read some scripture. We're going to go verse by verse through books of the Bible at ABC every week um, because we believe it's the inspired word of God and that he speaks through his word. Uh, you can expect to be invited to pray. We think prayer is a spiritual gift given to every Jesus follower. Um, it's a lifeline. It's uh, a lifeline of hope, of healing, of help, that Jesus um, works through prayer, that God works through our connection to him in prayer. Um, so we're, we're glad you're here and uh, hope that you would join us on campus for one of our services. If you're coming back to ABC after having been gone a while, welcome home. Let's just pick back up right where we left off and continue growing in Christ. If you've been with us for some time and you're just, uh, you're a regular and uh, you call ABC Church your home church, um, let's continue becoming more like Jesus this year as we study his word and seek his direction in prayer. The next few weeks here at ABC, we're gonna be in the Gospel of Matthew. We actually started Matthew at the beginning of last year, and we're hoping to finish by the end of this year. Um, we're, we're just taking our time going through it because we really wanna mine as much truth as possible out of his word as we walk through it. And so we're gonna pick it up in chapter 10 this year, and for the next several weeks, we'll be in the Gospel of Matthew. And then the first week of February, 
on February 5th, uh, we have an annual tradition we call State of the Church where we um, spend a whole morning, a whole service, looking back on the things that God has done, um, some of the blessings, some of the fruit, and celebrate that together, kind of remember and celebrate. Um, and then we're going to look ahead and, and ask the question, where is God leading our church as we move forward? And we're going to look at some of the, the tactics and the finances, kind of a peek under the organizational hood of ABC. Um, we have an opportunity that day to vote and endorse our elders. And so that'll be the first weekend of February. And then the rest of February, we're actually going to do a marriage series. We're going to spend three weeks um, talking about marriage and looking at a biblical um, framework for what a Christ-centered, God-honoring marriage is uh, should look like. And so that'll be February before we get back into Matthew. So uh, we are on our way um, to a fruitful year. Um, buckle up and join us. It's going to be great. Uh, but this morning, I have a challenge for you. I think uh, New Year's resolutions are out and challenges are in. That's like the new thing, right? So I get this email last month um, from St. Jude. Maybe some of you guys saw the same thing. It was a challenge to do 3,000 push-ups in the month of December. And I was like, game on, I'm gonna do 3,000 push-ups. And there's this whole deal where if you do these push-ups, it like raises money and awareness for St. Jude. And I'm like such a bleeding heart when I see pictures of those kids that need help. And I'm thinking, yes, I'm gonna do the push-ups for the kids, of course. And so I, I think I'm gonna sign up. So I go to the thing, I click the link, I put in my information, so naive, right? Like I didn't even think twice about how are they earning money from me doing push-ups. And so I'm ready, I'm geared up, and I get this note on December 1st that says, okay, it's time to start push-ups. All you have to do is post your push-ups or like, I don't know, a video or a picture of them or something with this link that's a direct link to the fundraising page for St. Jude. And I'm like, oh, come on. What they want me to do is turn every single one of my friends into a potential client for fundraising for St. Jude. And I'm not gonna do that. If you happen to be a friend with me on Facebook, you're welcome. I decided not to spam your page with with all of my vain push-ups um, or halfway push-ups you might <laughs> consider. So I didn't do the push-up challenge for St. Jude, um, but since then I'm on some kind of mailing list and lost in cyberspace. Um, so I get all the challenges now, right? So this month it's a challenge to ride 250 miles. Um, then there was a challenge I saw that was like drink, uh, it's like 17 gallons of water this month or something. There's a challenge to how many steps you can, there's a challenge for everything, right? All the challenges. And there's a little piece of me and my interest is peaked and my ego is tempted where I'm like, yeah, I could do that game on like push-ups or miles. I could do that. But I think we'd all be better served if we were to look into God's word and say, God, what would you have us do this year? What would you challenge us with? And so that's what I'd like to do with you this morning. I want to introduce to you what I'm going to call the Jesus challenge. It's not the St. Jude challenge. It's not a push-up or a miles or a water ounces drink. It is the Jesus challenge. It's a challenge to simplicity, to discernment, peace, and truth. And I think God's going to reveal something unique to us about how we could and should live in the year of 23 as we head forward walking in obedience to him. So would you turn with me, if you have your Bible, to Matthew chapter 10. And I'm going to read a, a relatively long passage here because I want you to really get your mind around what's happening here. Um, but before I do that, let me pray. Father, I'm so grateful for all the ways you bless us and provide for us and lead us. And I ask that this morning would be no exception, that you would lead us by the 
the words of truth that exist here in Scripture, that your Holy Spirit would illuminate these words to us, that it would direct our minds, our thoughts. Help us to think better about you. Help us to think better about ourself and our life in the context of who you are. And God, would you challenge us with the Jesus challenge this morning to become more like you as we read your word. In your name I pray, amen. So Matthew chapter 10, verse five. We'll come back to the first several verses in a few minutes. Verse five says this, these 12 Jesus sent out, this is speaking of his disciples, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I want to pause really quick and just note that Jesus was calling his disciples specifically to Israel, the lost sheep of Israel, not to the Gentiles or the Samaritans. And that's not because he didn't care about the Gentiles or the Samaritans. It just wasn't their mission. He's going to call someone else to go to the Gentiles and the Samaritans. Um, so in verse six or verse seven says, proclaim as you go saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, so give without paying. Acquire no gold, nor silver, nor copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics or sandals, nor a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now there's a lot happening here. This is the instruction, the command of Jesus as he sends out his 12. But to help you get your mind back into the gospel of Matthew and sort of immerse yourself for a minute in the culture, imagine with me for a minute that you're a first century working class Jew. You work hard to make a living. It doesn't come easy and it feels like you're always just a little bit behind. You've always had enough, but never quite as much as the guy down the road. Everything costs more than it used to. The economy fluctuates like the tides of Galilee. And even a fruitful year is hampered by the corruption of Big Brother Rome. It's a difficult life. It's hard work. And sometimes it feels a bit unjust. You consider yourself religious, you're a decent Jew, but even that system feels somehow rigged. The guys with the right last name, born into the right family, they always have an advantage. And once again, you just can't get ahead. But then you meet this guy, Jesus. There's a legend that he actually made wine from a barrel of water. Sounds like a chance for the upper hand. He's, he's not Roman and he doesn't play games with the religious elite. He's from Nazareth and he's poor like you. He gets the struggle. 
So when he speaks, you listen. Where he goes, you go. So you're hanging on every word he speaks and you've seen now the unimaginable. You've experienced firsthand through him the power of God. And here it comes as one of these disciples. Your turn to join Jesus in what he's doing. So look at verse 1 with me from chapter 10. It says, Jesus, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. And then it goes to list the name of these 12. These guys are rolling up their sleeves. Game on. Now we have the upper hand over the religious snobs, over the greedy tax authorities. We have spiritual authority given by God himself. The tides are finally turning. Not so fast. Jesus finishes in verse 16 by saying, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. What? I thought we were leading a crusade. I thought things were going to change around here. And then Jesus goes on to warn them about all the bad things that are going to happen. We're going to look at that next week as you read further into the chapter. There's just continual tragedy and trial and persecution. And so he warns them of this. But then he says, finally, in verse 22, at the end, when this is all said and done, the one who endures, endures will be saved. There will be victory. There will be an overcoming of evil. If you endure to the end, it's the Jesus challenge. The hardest and best thing you will ever do is to join Jesus on his mission. I want to start at the end and work our way backwards and looking at what this challenge is all about. What is he calling his disciples to do? What is he calling us as followers a couple thousand years later to do? Well, first we see that he's calling them to innocence, which is an odd and ironic term in the midst of all of the persecution they're about to endure. He's calling them in verse 16 to innocence. He says, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. When I read this in context, there's another bird that comes to mind and it's not a dove, it's a duck. <laughs> they're sitting ducks. I'm calling you out as sheep among wolves. So be innocent as doves, sitting ducks. I would imagine Jesus would say something more like, sharpen your talons, focus your vision, and be fierce like an eagle. Nope, doves, also known as pigeons. <laughs> the least fierce bird you could possibly imagine. The best way in my mind to interpret what Jesus is saying when he says innocent is simple. He's calling them to simple-mindedness, innocence as doves. Let me round out this analogy for you. If you were to go back into Genesis, at the very beginning of the Bible, you read a story about a flood. Many of you have heard of the flood, the historical account of when God flooded the earth in judgment. And yet there was a man named Noah who was righteous. And so God called Noah to an obedience and building a boat called the ark. And he had two of every living creature on the boat and the, the, the earth flooded, but the boat rose with the floods and they all survived that lived on the boat. And so when the flood, when the rains were done, they were waiting for the water, the flood waters to recede. And in order to find out when the waters had gone, when they were subsiding, Noah sent out a bird. Do you remember what it was? 
The first bird he sent out was a raven. And then he sent out a second bird three times and the second bird was a dove. The first time the bird returned without anything in hand. The second time the bird came back within its little talons a uh, a freshly plucked, it says, olive leaf, proving that there was life on the earth. The third time the dove didn't return because it found a resting place. So the dove in this story was this just messenger, very simple messenger of life, had one job, go out, find life, and then return home. All the dove needed to know was the way home. It was simple, and the thing that the dove did brought a message of hope and a message of life. And do you know what one of the most underrated technologies today is in my mind? Carrier pigeons. Have you ever heard of carrier pigeons? Some of you are like, yeah, we know there's carrier pigeons, it's homing pigeons. No, but seriously, it's crazy. Okay, so scientists have done some studies on pigeons, these particular pigeons, and they've proven that there's this physical sensory system, they think it's in their ears, um, that can decipher altitude and heading and global position based on the changes in the magnetic force fields of the Earth. How crazy is that? These birds always know where they are, it's insane. In the late 19th century, during the siege of Paris, uh, if you remember the story, if you've studied world's history, um, there's a German occupation in France, which seems like there's always a German occupation in France. But uh, there's this, this big historic moment called the Siege of Paris. And they had to get word to the soldiers across the enemy lines. And so they sent out 381 doves or pigeons with messages, they, they put their messages on microfilm so they could reduce them down to these little tiny canisters and they tie them to the tail feathers of the pigeons and they sent them flying across enemy lines. And the report is that out of 381 birds, 302 of them made it to the soldiers with the messages. Insane. These birds could travel over 100 miles round trip and do it sometimes twice in a day and they often made it back. In our technologically advanced world with all of the smartphones and the communication and the satellites and lasers and all the other crazy things that I don't understand. One of the most clear pictures of innocence or simplicity is a pigeon, a dove. How I long for the day that we would go back to just such simple communication. I know that's more complicated than that, but it sounds nice, doesn't it? We should make shirts that say, let's be pigeons. There's probably some bad connotation that I just brought up that I'll get in trouble for. In verse 10, Jesus says to the disciples, don't bring an extra bag. Don't bring a change of clothes. Travel light and simple. Don't get distracted or weighed down. Stay simple. It's the Jesus challenge. Be innocent. But not just simple, also shrewd. Verse 16 again says, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. The NIV translates this different. They say, be shrewd as snakes. Wise as serpents or shrewd as snakes. Innocent as doves, yes, but shrewd as snakes. And again, I think we can find a clue as to what Jesus really is intending for us to see his word picture uh, building for us. If we go back to the book of Genesis again, chapter 3, it says the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're realizing that this is a sentence that's describing Satan. And I understand that. And Jesus is not saying become like Satan. No, he's simply using a picture about the creature. 
the snake, the serpent, because the serpent was more crafty. I think that word crafty, it's the Hebrew word arum, is really helpful for us to understand the context of what Jesus is describing because that word is only used 11 times in the entire Old Testament. It's used three times as a negative, crafty or cunning. It's in Genesis right here in chapter three. It's two times in Job. And then the other eight instances of that word are all in Proverbs. And our English Bible translates that word in the book of Proverbs with the word prudent. I think that's what Jesus is describing when he says shrewd or um, as he says, wise as serpents, prudent, shrewd as snakes. Proverbs 14, 15 says, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. It's carefully planned, thoughtful, reflective, not cavalier or unintentional. Proverbs 14, 8 says, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way. There's wisdom. There's discernment in the prudent. In Proverbs 12, 16 says, the prudent ignores an insult. Let something roll off. There's wisdom in that. So yeah, innocent as doves, simple-minded, travel light. Don't get distracted or bogged down by the troubles and the frustrations and the overwhelming things of the world, but be prudent. My goodness, just because you're simple doesn't mean you need to be aloof. Crafty and thoughtful and aware. The Jesus challenge is to be shrewd. I think that's really important in the day and age that we live in. That It was for his disciples as they were to contend with the Jewish leaders and with Rome. They needed to be wise. They needed to be thoughtful. Learn as much as you can about the world, but don't become enamored by it. That's what I see Jesus saying here. Study how the world works, what it values, what it grieves, pay your taxes, work for your food, make wise investments. These are all in the teachings of Jesus. In fact, right here in verse 10, the laborer earns his keep. Work hard, don't freeload. And he's going to teach us later on in Matthew chapter 25, that you do the work that you're worthy of. Pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. Jesus is teaching us to operate in this world as a functional, business-minded human being. But remain simple. Don't get bogged down by it. Snakes, but doves. Shrewd, but simple. Jump back to verse 12 with me for a second. As you enter the house, Jesus says, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Let your peace come upon it. Be administers of shalom. Bring peace. I think the challenge of Jesus is to be peaceful. There's a lot tucked in these couple of verses a lot about the mission of Jesus. In fact, it raises several questions. When I read this, it's sort of confusing. First, how do I know if a house is worthy? That feels really subjective and and unfair. Who deserves my peace and who doesn't? Shouldn't everyone, regardless of who they are? Well, yes and no. We get a, a kind of a clue to what shrewd prudence looks like. What does it mean to be 
wise and discerning? How do you know who's worth the investment of your time? What's going to be fruitful? Pay closer attention to the ones you come in contact with and see if they are receiving you. Will this be a fruitful investment? And we get another clue in verse 14. He says, if anyone who will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Pay close attention to see if you're being received. That's all that Jesus is saying. But the underlying tone here is that wherever you go, so long as you're being received, you would bring peace. You would be an administer of peace. And I think it's important to note that, that Jesus is, is rather ruthless when he talks about de- determining the, the ones who would receive or not receive. And that's simply because he's putting them on mission and there's a goal in mind. And whenever there's a goal in mind, then then we ought to take the time to figure out what's going to be the most effective and efficient way to accomplish the goal. And in essence, you weed out the chaff, the, the unfruitful, unproductive investments. The principle, though, is, again, find a house that's receptive, which doesn't seem like it's too hard, and bring peace. And this concept of peace is is a little bit confusing because we haven't seen a clear picture of it yet. All we've seen is a lot of strife. And leading up to this point, when you look at the interactions between the Pharisees and Jesus, when you look at uh, the interactions between Rome and then some of the the religious, like, um, kind of grassroots um, opponents of Rome, there just looks like a ton of strife. But Jesus is saying, no, be administers of peace. Go on this mission, but bring and deliver peace. I appreciate the way James describes it. In fact, James was one of these disciples, one of the 12 he sent out. Later, he writes this letter. It's called the book of James. He says this, The wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. But listen to what he says here in verse 17 or verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness, if that's the goal. In fact, Jesus just got done in chapter 9 talking about the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he sends them out. So if this is their mission, their goal is to go with innocence and to go with shrewdness and to go bring peace. Then a harvest of righteousness is sown by those who sow in peace. Those who make peace. It's hard to define, but impossible to miss when you see it right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. When someone walks into the room to bring peace versus to bring strife, my goodness, we just got done with the holidays and I guarantee you, you can think of someone right now, there's someone in your family, your friends, your neighbors, your extended family that you know when they walk into the room, they come to bring agitation. They come to antagonize, to jab and to poke. They love getting a rise out of the group. You know who I'm talking about. That's the opposite of what Jesus is saying. Be that guy that walks into the room and brings this blanket of calm, assured, confident presence. It has to do with countenance. How do you look? Posture. How do you sit or stand? Tone. How do you speak? Speed. What's your your pace? Confidence. Are you assured? Peacemakers listen well. They're reflective, tempered, careful with their words, not easily wound up. 
And that's the presence Jesus is describing. The Jesus challenge is be that person, the kind of person that shows up into a room and drops a blanket of peace that the ambient temperature rises, the room becomes warm when you walk in. Share peace with those who will receive it. And when you find those who will receive it, then he says, share the truth. And that's the fourth point there. Here's verse seven. It says, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The mission for his disciples, and the reason we worked our way backwards through this passage, is to be innocent as you go, to be shrewd as you go, to bring peace as you go, but then to bring truth wherever you go. Share the truth. Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the gospel, what's called the good news for these early disciples It was the truth that Jesus had sent them to share. Go to every house that will receive you and tell them, just like John the Baptist did, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Our gospel is a little different. Only because we're more informed, only because we've read all the way to the end of the book and we know that Jesus Christ was going to lay his life down as a sacrifice and he was going to rise again and he was going to ascend into heaven. We have the whole story. So when we go to bring the truth, to share the gospel, It sounds a little different. It sounds more like what Luke describes in chapter 24. He says, then he opened their minds. It's Jesus opening their minds to understand all of the scripture, the way that we're understanding it. And he says to them, thus it's written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. That's the good news, the gospel. So bring peace to every home that will receive it and then share the truth of the gospel. The truth that Jesus would suffer and die and rise on the third day and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins could be proclaimed to all nations. That's our mission. That's the Jesus challenge. Share truth with everyone who will receive it. Remain innocent, but be shrewd. Innocent of doves as doves, but wise as serpents. Bring peace as you go and share truth. It's a worthy challenge with probably more significance, definitely more significance than push-ups or miles ran or ounces of water consumed. But we're scared to measure it. I don't know why necessarily. Maybe... Maybe we're intimidated to list it on our annual challenges because it's harder to measure or, or maybe it feels a little elusive. Like maybe I won't accomplish the goal. So we're afraid of failure. But I want to encourage you this week, as you think about it, maybe you don't have a list of objectives for 2023. I've got a list of things that are very, you know, if you were to compare them to this list, they're, they're rather vain, to be honest. It's like I want to spend X number of one-on-one time with with my family members, with my wife and my kids. I wanna, I wanna ride X number of miles on my bicycle and I wanna get these projects done at work and I have these two or three house projects that I hope to get done this year. These are, these are very simple-minded, earthly objectives. And so why wouldn't I pause for just a minute as I see Jesus' call, his challenge to his disciples and ask, are these worthy challenges? Are these appropriate challenges for me to consider as I head into a new year? Let's just take some time to do that right now, can you? Maybe write it down right here while you're watching the video or jot it in your phone if you're on a trip somewhere. 
but consider what it would take for you to make a conscious decision to live the way Jesus is challenging us to live. What would it mean for you to have a simple life this year, innocent as doves? It would mean that you probably need to evaluate your exposure to the world, which would mean you need to question a little bit of your content. What are you feeding yourself? What's the flow of information that's flowing at you? Or, or maybe you want to evaluate and make a, a goal, a metric for being prudent and shrewd, for making wise decisions, which would mean you're going to need to pause and pray about some big decisions this year rather than just jumping to them. It means you might need to consult others about some of the decisions you're making because it says in Proverbs that the, there's fruit in the counsel of many that you might need to actually call a friend and say, what do you think about this decision? Would you consider this with me? What am I missing? What angle am I not seeing? That you could be prudent and shrewd with your resources and your time and the decisions you're making this year. Maybe you need to make a goal to say, I want to be intentionally more prudent this year. Maybe your decision is to be a peacemaker, to bring peace. And that's, that's going to require that you pay close attention to your countenance. And that might require that you invite someone else to speak truth about your countenance to you. What presence are you bringing to the table? What's the, the temperature of the room when you walk in? You might need someone to observe and evaluate that with you. Maybe your, your goal, your call to the Jesus challenge is to share truth, to share the truth of the gospel, just as Jesus calls his disciples to share, that there's a tangible goal you could set in front of you to share the gospel, maybe with three or five or 10 people this year. Maybe it's a specific person you already know. You think, I need to this year sit down with this person and take some intentional time to share the gospel. I know they're willing to receive me. I know that I can go in peace. And I know that I can share clearly the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It might just be a goal that just has their name on it. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that Jesus is putting this in front of us and saying, could you live the Jesus way this year? Not the way of the world, not the Strava challenge way, not the New Year's resolution way where we just want to be better um, at, with our fitness and we just want to be better with our, our diet and we, we just want to be better relationally or want to be more productive at work or whatever those things are. Those things are vanity compared to what God is calling us to through this passage of scripture, that we could be peacemakers, that we could share truth, that we could live simply and we could be shrewd with our time and our resources. Last week, Gerald challenged us with a compelling case for discipleship. Maybe that would be your goal. Your Jesus challenge is to enter into a discipleship relationship, which would mean you might need to tap somebody and say, I really need to spend some time with another believer in scripture. Would you be willing to walk through passages of scripture with me and disciple me? To pray with me, to help me process through some decisions. Maybe it means that you know of a younger believer that could use some investment and you could tap them and say, would you want to walk through some scripture with me and I can pray for you and coach you and encourage you? I'm not sure what God is calling you to and I'm not going to decide that for you. I, I just want to open this passage of scripture before you and let you see what Jesus is calling his disciples to and invite you to ask, what might he be calling me to? 
on campus um, this morning at ABC, we're taking communion. And there's not really a great way for us to do that with you over the video, unfortunately. And so I simply just invite you at some point to consider maybe part of your journey, part of your decision this year is to join us on campus sometime soon. We take communion the first of every month. I recognize this weekend's not the first weekend of the month. It's the second, but we had New Year's and et cetera. So we're taking communion. Maybe you're watching this right now at 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. You could still make it down to the 1045 service. If not, come down next month in February. Because we believe that the gathering of God's people around his word in obedience to the ordinance which he calls us to, to partake in communion as a church and worship to him, to remember the truth of the gospel, to experience the peaceful presence of the Holy Spirit, to grow in his truth, to continue to grow in prudence and wisdom through the information we find in his word helps us live more simply and we become more like him in fulfilling the Jesus challenge the more that we gather. So I want to pray for you and I just invite you to consider what you might do as a step forward from here beyond. Next week, we're going to jump into the rest of chapter 10 and we're going to ask ourselves, what is he calling us to as he moves his disciples um, into this missional mindset and focuses them towards sharing with others. Let me pray for you. God, we ask that you would transform our way of thinking. And, and I don't mean that um, in a contrived way. Lord, I, I literally ask, would you change the way that we think about ourselves, that we think about our lives, the resources we have, the time we spend, the investment we're making, because I just think it's short-sighted sometimes. And I'm, I'm thankful for that, that passage in Romans. It says, do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, would you help us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind as we read your word that you'd give us different goals, put different metrics in front of us, different challenges than the world has for us to offer. Lord, there are, there are thousands of directions we could go with investing our time and energy, and you've given us a very clear one here in your word, and so I ask simply that we would be able to obey. And that as a people, as a church, collectively, God, we would become sharers of truth. We would become peaceful presence. That we would be shrewd, wise, prudent, and that we could become more simple and innocent. We will answer the call to the Jesus challenge. Give us the power to do so. In your name I pray, amen.